This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey up, it's the No Near Never podcast, with your host, Jamie Smith. Good evening and welcome to tonight's No Near Never podcast. Slightly different show today as we kick off NNM pod 2.0. Adam's got the details. Oh, that was very Sky Sports news. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, we've changed things a little bit, so... And uh, now we have a shorter show length. Um, we're aiming for half an hour each week. Um, we we will do occasional longer specials, so you can enjoy us for full hours, hours and hours of no, no, never goodness. Um, we're also going to have fewer guests, which means higher quality discussion and less chaos in general. Um, fewer topics, meaning more depth and, and better insight into things. Um, so each week we'll look back at the weekend's game, and we'll also have one big topic to, to for everyone to get stuck into. Um, and that's about the the long and the short of it. So back to you, Jamie. Excellent. And we are, of course, after all your feedback as we embark on this new, brand new, non and ever podcast. So please do get in touch with any feedback. Um, and if you are listening to us instead of watching Haley Day on Curry tonight, then excellent. Good to have you along. Um, we'll kick off then talking about Saturday's game then. Um, James, do you think we were a bit hard done by only getting a draw against Sheffield Wednesday? Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, absolutely. Um, I think we had a, enough chances in there to, to win three or four games, if not more. And uh, I think it was just one of those days where uh, you didn't really quite get the rub of the green and things didn't quite go your way. We, I've read somewhere that we had like 20 shots on goal. It's unheard of, really, for us to create that many chances and not win the game. I couldn't believe it myself. It, it certainly felt like that. I mean, late on, um, I'm not sure I can really remember Sheffield doing anything and noting sort of the last five, six minutes because we were just all over them. And, uh, you know, they, they got lucky a few times. I've seen since the post. Um, David Jones has one knocked off the line. And it's a just didn't want to go in for us. Yeah, I think what what really highlighted it for me was that we we went for it, but 
I, I felt we could have put a, a sub on a little bit earlier. I think that's it's one of the things we might look back on at the end of the season. I just thought we don't miss out by a couple of points and look back at games like that that we should have won. Um, Michael, that result sees us drop out of the top two then. Um, what do you make of our chances for, for the rest of the season at the minute then? How much do you think Saturday's results can impact I don't think it's going to impact us that much, to be honest. Um, if you look at it from, from the perspective of we've dropped out of the top two, so no, we're no longer that big big scalp people are, ex- people are expecting. So people are coming to to, to wanting, wanting to beat us as much as if we were in the playoffs. And it takes a bit of the pressure off the boys. So I'm confident, quietly confident. And I think if we perform like we did on Saturday against the majority of the teams in this division, we'll get three points every time. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Like We've played much worse than that this season got better results. It's it's just funny how football works. Danny is had three or four, I think, at the weekend and he just had one of those games where it didn't go in at all. But I'm sure he'll have other games where he doesn't look like he's played that well, but he ends up with goals galore. Yeah, that's it. You've got to look at it from the strikers and Danny Ings come very close on numerous occasions. It was a Chris Kirkland show towards the end and some of the saves he pulled off showed why a couple of years ago, he was touted to be the England's next number one. Yeah, the save at the end, I thought it was Volks at first, but looking back at the replay, it was Danny Ings, and he did the post like a couple of minutes before that. James Ings, after that game, you must just be like, what What more do I have to do to beat Chris Kirkland? Yeah, I mean, uh, Kirkland had a fantastic game. Um, I did think, though, that with one of them, Ings could have sort of maybe put it somewhere a little bit cannier. Um, he gave it sort of that shoulder height that I know keepers keepers quite like. Cause it's easy to get to. I think if he he puts that shot low, Kirkland just can't get down in time. Um, but yeah, I think that's sort of nitpicking a little bit on on what Ings has done there. He just had one of those days where the, the keepers, you know, played out of his skin. Uh, I mean, on that evidence, you can see why Kirkland was you know, a bigger side in the past. Absolutely, he's a very good goalkeeper, Chris Kirkland, when he's fit. It's just a shame that he's he's been injured so much and we certainly saw the best of his talent at the weekend. Um, I, I was a bit disappointed with the goal that we conceded, Michael. It's another from a set piece. That's three or four recently. We haven't kept a clean sheet for a while either. Yeah, it was one of them where <clears throat> I think it was, was it on an, 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 an I don't know how to say his name. He's got up and headed it down and um, headed it on towards Connor Wickham. And we've probably missed a header in there. A bit sloppy. We looked to have switched off a little bit. We just got the goal just before half time. Probably thought, oh, that's it. We're going in 1 0 up and switched off. And I think I think we just need to be making sure that we're switched on for 90 minutes at a time and, and not so concentrated. And not so um, lackadaisical in defence, I guess. I think it was, it was the typical it was the typical one where you've just scored, wasn't it? And you're not massively concentrating. They came at us quite quickly after we got our goal and we didn't defend the set piece well at all. I'm sure that's something they'll be working on. Um, James, what did you make of their goal? It was really soft, wasn't it? Dash must be disappointed about that afterwards. Yeah, I think it's the type of goal that we've seen maybe not this year's side. You know, someone nods it down, it's, it's bouncing around and we just don't get it away and someone pokes it home. Um, it's one where you, you can't blame the goalkeeper at all. He's sort of been left left out to dry by his, his defence because someone really needs to sort of get on that second ball and, and get it clear. A couple of big penalty shouts as well for Sheffield Wednesday. They had um, 
I think it was Jacques Magoma, Magoma, no idea how to say his name, uh, went into the penalty box in the first half and dived, and I think he got away with that one. And then the second half, Chris Maguire, he scored the Sheffield Wednesday goal. He was actually booked for diving. Um, what was your take on those two incidents, James? Uh, I can't really remember the first one, to be honest, but um, the second one where, where there was the booking, I I watched it again um, pretty quickly after, and I, I thought the referee got it right, to be honest. Um, I know there's a, a still picture out there that one of the photographers took that sort of makes it look like there was contact and it's brought down, but I mean, you can take a still picture of something and it doesn't paint paint the whole picture, and I think that's definitely the case there because he, he looked to... Even if there was contact, he's put so much extra on it that you know he deserves a booking for, for sort of embellishing, even if it was a penalty. Yeah, that's one of the points I made. Mean, I think it's a definite sign that he's trying to con the ref. Whether or not there's contact, I don't think that's that important. We've got this this idea has come into the game, Michael, that any contact in the penalty area is a penalty, and it's just not the case. I don't know why people have started saying that. Yeah, it's. You can compare it a bit um, to Luis Suarez when he, when he went down rather theatrically and won a penalty the other day. Um, and he put far too much emphasis on his dive and how he goes to the ground instead of, well, if, if someone, someone hits you, you know someone's hit, hit here. And I, I don't think this whole, the slightest touch into penalty should, it, it should, it shouldn't, shouldn't be how it is. It's not like, like, like that outside of the box. It's not like that in 90%, on 90% of the pitch. So it shouldn't be any different in the box. At the end of the day, if, someone's, if someone does make contact, yeah, penalty. But on this occasion, I think the ref got it spot on. I completely agree. There's a, there's a, a super slow-mo video, actually, that I saw. I think someone posted it on Twitter that they've got from the highlights and slowed it right down. You can see that Maguire's gone into the box, knocked the ball past Shackle, whose leg is out. But as Maguire goes past him, Shackle pulls his leg away and Maguire throws himself to the floor. He, he's tried to con the referee. He's got butt for it, I thought absolutely spot on and it was nice to have a ref at the turf James that gave us lots of decisions for once he was a real whore I thought the weekend uh, yeah he was I, I don't think that's necessarily a good thing to be honest I mean while it, you do think oh it's, it's nice to sort of be getting the decisions I think I'd rather have a referee who um, sort of lets the game flow and, and gives the right decisions rather than obviously giving decisions we want um, even if that means some of them do go against us Ashley Barnes came on for his debut as well. It was great to see his home debut. Even um, it was great to see him have an immediate impact. We made a shift to four three three actually when he came on. We'll talk about that in detail a little bit later in the podcast. But um, Barnes came on, went out wide left, and had an immediate impact. Created a couple of chances. Uh, Michael Barnes is going to be a really important player for the rest of the season. Is he having that extra forward to throw on in situations where we need a goal? That's going to be absolutely vital for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think he's an absolute asset to pick up. And he's, he's been one of the players I've seen for a while and I've always rated him. So I, I'm very happy when we went into the market and actually finally secured him so after the six-month six um, hunt for him. And it does offer us something a bit different. He can play out wide. Um, and you, you could see his pace pace at the weekend when he got down to the byline, got a good cross into the box. And Ings was very much to score. So it's great to have an additional um, additional man who's, who can just offer something different, really. That was a fantastic run, that James. The way he, he, oh, there was nothing on it. It was on like the halfway line, wasn't he? And flicked it over the defender and chased after it. And I'm still, I've seen it a couple of times. I've no idea how he got that crossing. We really should have scored from that chance as well. 
Yeah, I mean, that was an absolutely fantastic first impression, I think, uh, to make him in front of the long side. Um, yeah, right in front of the long side is always... I remember Jean-Louis Valois, your favourite player. He brought down a, a really long pass with like his instep a minute into his debut and everyone was like, oh, he's amazing, he's amazing. And Barnes's first move was basically the same sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, you saw the ball sort of loop up. I think it, I can't remember if it was a clean pass or it sort of got a bit of a loop but it sort of looped up and you think, oh, he's chasing a lost cause there. He's not going to get it. But he brings it down and then somehow he keeps it in again with his heel and beats his man. And then just well to keep it in when he gets to the byline as well. So I think it was a, you know, a good first impression. I think it shows, shows what he's about. Uh, you know, he'll work for the team. And, uh, and that's something Burnley fans have always, uh, always really appreciated. Yeah, we had I was going to say that. Clarice fans just love, love an industrious player, don't we? Just have to remember that to you more. Overrunner, as we always like to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the, the thing with Barnes, and again, we'll come on to the tactical side a little bit later, but the thing with Barnes is he gives us a lot of options because he can play out wide. He came on and played on the left of a, a front three, really, when we were chasing that goal. So it, it means we've got that flexibility. I, I did think we could have put him on earlier, though. It was about 82 minutes when he came on. He only got about 10 minutes to make a difference. And I just wonder if we'd made that change a bit earlier, would we have been able to force the goal? I, I don't know. What do you reckon, James? Um, maybe. I think it's a, a tough one to say. I think, in general, Sean Dash is someone who likes to wait a little bit longer, and uh, particularly in a game like that where it's, it's a 1-1 game. Waste the better side. I don't think he wants to to rush into making any rush changes. And sometimes, obviously, that pays off. And then maybe over time, you feel like you've missed an opportunity. Like maybe it's been the case this weekend. Yeah, hopefully it was a balance. Um, we've had a comment from Paul actually. Um, if you are listening to us live tonight, please do join in with your comments. It always makes the podcast a lot better. Paul says, Kylie faces the fight to get back into the side now. I think that's a really good point. Tracy's been playing recently. Kylie had a bit of a knock, didn't he? So had a couple of weeks off, but Tracy's played pretty well, really. We've seen um, pictures of people on social media floating their new Keith t-shirts. Um, are you going to get one of our new Keith t-shirts, James? I know you're a massive fan. Um, I may do, I may do. Um, he was, I thought, so I, I did want to make a point on Keith, but I thought it was absolutely sensational Saturday. It was a really good performance, um, which I think is one that maybe he needed at home in front of some of the naysayers just to to prove that he's worth that spot he's been he's been getting. Did you think it was that good? I thought he played pretty well. Sensational. That's a strong, strong word. Did I say sensational? Was I that, that strong? Maybe I just got caught up in the moment, but I thought it was a, a really <laughs> strong performance. And I, I was surprised when he, he went off in, instead of Arfield. I thought Arfield, you know, he did his usual work. He, he ran out of his game on Saturday compared to, compared to the way Tracy was playing. No, I think Arfield was the guy who stayed on because uh, Dash wanted to go to a four-three-three, didn't he? And play three in midfield, so Arfield's probably more suited to that central role um, than Tracy. But yeah, Arfield had a bit of a funny game. He gave the ball away a few times in the space of like two minutes, right in front of the long side. And it was just like you can't be doing that when needing a goal. You need to keep the ball a bit better. I'm not really convinced by Arfield as a as a player with the ball at his feet. I think he's much better when he's not got the ball, if that makes sense. 
yeah, he's, I think he's great at, um, at really hassling and pressing people. Um, but I think when he's he's got the ball, I think he's a bit like you know those those dogs you see in the park in the summer. They've got a big big round ball at their feet and they're just running off with it <laughs> wherever they go. And he, he does give me that sort of impression that it's almost aimless as long as he's going in the right direction. He's just happy to have it off his feet in front of him. It's odd though, isn't it, Michael? Because he does have a lot of quality about his game. It's just sometimes I think he's a bit unsure where he's going to go with the ball, like James says. Yeah, he's one of the players who I think is more comfortable further forward um, in, in perhaps an inside forward role um, out on the wing where he can cut inside and maybe have a run towards goal, have a shot, and it might not impact further back on us. Whereas when he's, when he's sat back in midfield, you sometimes have that that worried feeling that he's going to lose the ball through a misplaced pass, perhaps, and, and give the chance, uh, give the opposition a chance to counter-attack. He's not a bad player, player by any half, stretch the imagination, but he's, he's not brilliant. He's not someone who I could imagine would step up if we'd were to promote I don't imagine him stepping up with the rest of the team, unfortunately. No, it'll be interesting to see what, what does happen to a lot of the players. I think... Um... What I want to talk about on a future show is the number of players that are out of contracts at the end of the season and what we're going to do about their futures. But our field surprised us all, so you wouldn't want to write him off. And the fact that he can play inside as well, I think, is a big advantage. Um, I just want to come on to the tactical shift now, actually. Um, like I said, when Barnes came on, he went on to the left side and we moved to a 4-3-3. Ings was playing sort of on the right. James, do you think that's the tactic we're going to use more often now that we've got Barnes available? Um, I think it's to see it too much, but maybe in the case where you know there's a, a game at home, probably in particular where we are, it's sort of one-one, or you know we, we feel we're on top, but we want to put that extra little bit of pressure on. I think it's a good tactic to know to use then, obviously to, to put even more pressure on the opposition. It's an option, isn't it? I mean, I'm sure Dash will want to stick with his four-four-two because that's been working so well. We've got that defensive shape. But if we do want to be a more attacking, sometimes we've got that option now. And you've got to say, like, why spend all that money on Barnes if you're not going to play him a bit more? So I, I think we might try and get him into the team somehow. But I can't really think of another way to to play him without moving to that four three three. You wouldn't want to play Barnes as one or two wide players in the the four four two, would you? Uh, no, I, I wouldn't say so. I think we've seen in the past that tends to more be the kind of role you give to a. A striker who's maybe just just starting to to break into the the side. And it tends to be, I think, the the slighter built ones, you know, like the Dannyings or Jay Rodriguez. And I'm not sure it particularly suits sort of a a Barnes player to to almost waste him out there like that. What do you think of the Barnes, Michael? Do you think he's partly signed in the expectation that we're going to lose Dannyings in the summer, and it's sort of planning ahead for that? I think it's half that, but um, I think I mean, from a from tactical perspective, I think it's I half gonna... that. But, uh... Sorry, Adam. <laughs> um, no, I was going to say from a tactical perspective, for me, um, I quite like to see us trying out a four-two-three-one with either you, you can keep your wide men on, keep centre centre midfielders on, and then perhaps replacing Vokes or Rings, whoever's having the worst day, and playing. Playing him in behind them as, as like just just playing off in that um, um, sitting it as a shadow striker almost, 
uh, interchangeable with the front man. So if you've got Ings as your front man, he could even play in that position just behind the, your central striker, target man even, up top. I could imagine that type of formation might suit Barnes a bit more than perhaps a conventional 4-3-3 where he might be pushing him too far out wide. It's, it's an interesting one. I think the key thing about the Barnes side is it opens so many doors for us now. Whereas before, we had no strikes on the bench, so the only option we had was to play someone like Kylie or Alfield off one striker if one of them had to go off. But now that Barnes is there, we can play all three, we can make some more like we can play three behind ones, all sorts of different things we can do now. Um, James, looking ahead at some of the fixtures we've got at the turf, do you think we're going to see more of teams coming just to try and get a draw? We've got teams like Leicester coming to the turf before the end of the season. I can't, I can't see Leicester coming here for a draw, but um, you know, maybe some of the others, maybe you know, Derby, Forest. Um, I think those sides side might think go there, get a draw, maybe try and nick something later on. Um, but obviously, I think lower sides lower in the division, they're definitely looking to to get a draw because they'd see that as a you know a massive point really. So. Um, I think that's been the case for a, a little while though, probably, that, that sides have come sort of seen as a place they want to maybe try and just stifle us and take what they can. Our home form, of course, has been outstanding, hasn't it, for a while now. You're, you're our stats man, really. How long is it now since we lost the home? Was it February or March or something last year? Uh, it's quite a while. I think it's, is it 13, 14 league games now? Um, it's definitely quite a few. I mean, we've talked a lot about the, the atmosphere and ticket press and things like that on the, on the podcast in previous weeks, but I thought the, the crowd, from where I was, it seemed like there was more on than was officially announced. Um, it was my first game for a while, but I thought the atmosphere was pretty good, actually. Um, yeah, I think it's. I think it has started to sort of slowly improve. Um the, the attendance, I think, is still probably a little bit disappointing. I think you'd you'd hope that that'll, that'll increase over the next couple of months as uh, so we get into the running. And uh, I think with that as well, you, you will get an improved atmosphere, especially if this sort of league position keeps up and people can uh, sort of build the excitement. We're informed by Jack on the chat that the last defeat was at home to Hull on March the 11th. So that's 10 months unbeaten at Turf Mill, outstanding form. Really, and um, we've been told actually by some of the listeners that there's some clicking noises in the background that shouldn't be happening. We can't hear them, so we can't work out what it is actually. But we will try and um, get that sorted out when we put the recording online. Um, Michael, there's no game for us next weekend, then, with the FA Cup being on instead and us being out. What, do you think it's a good time for a break? It's been a while, hasn't it, since last international break? So I think the players have gone off to do some warm weather training. You think that's going to have a positive impact for the rest of the season? Yeah, I think it's a, a nice little opportunity for them to get away, have a little break, and reflect on how the season's going. They'll be able to look at it and look at who, who's coming up in the next few weeks and decide on a, a plan of attack almost. Um, first game is back on the Tuesday against Brighton, um, which will be a tough game. Um, they beat us earlier earlier on this season, so it'll be interesting to see how Brighton come and set up actually. But for the players being aware, I think it, I, I do I do like these little getaways and it gets them out 
Burnley, which we all know can be a bit dreary every now and then. <laughs> yeah, going down to Gawthorpe every day at this time of year must be a bit grim, though. So I'm sure the players are quite glad of a bit of a rest. Um, like you say, Brighton up next, and the players, I'm sure, James, they'll be up for revenge, won't they, after losing to them earlier in the season. We were quite hard done by at Brighton, weren't we, when Tom Heaton got sent off fairly, fairly unfairly. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that that was one of those sort of games where at the time he didn't get sent off, you think this could go either way. But then I think the sending off really kills the game. So you'd think that the boys would prove a point that that was a, a game that they didn't deserve to lose. Um, I mean, you only had to look at what happened I think, after that game, you know, the, the run we went on, um, where I think it, the only game that wasn't a win was Blackburn at home obviously and you could see that I think that that was a very disappointing result and I think the players were disappointed as well that they were sort of cheated out of it a little bit by a dubious at best red card It's an absolutely bizarre one wasn't it it was the, the thing where you sort of handled the ball outside the area arguably and bounced it or something it was a really really funny one I've not heard anything like that happen before it was so strange um, we have of course already got revenge on Huddersfield after they beat us at their place so it'll be interesting to see if we can do the same thing again um, looking ahead for the, the season as a whole then Michael are you confident of our chances at the moment do you think it's going to be top 6 top 2 what would be your prediction if I had to put you on the spot on the spot um it's going to be a struggle to get in the top two. I'm not going to lie. Um, how Leicester have played at the minute, or David Richardson's can take some serious injuries or suspensions for, for them to slip up. I can't imagine them losing the grip. You just have to look at how Leicester played at the weekend. Um, when they, they're putting a game to bed, when they didn't play well against Leeds, and yet they're still getting the three points, they look real contenders for the, for the, for the title now. And then you have to look at who's around us, QPR and Derby. I'm not 100% Derby will keep it up. QPR, though, with the money and and the backing they've got, the players at their disposal, they should be they should be second. I can imagine we'll definitely be top six. We'll get playoffs. It'd be travesty if we did it now. Um, but I can imagine third or fourth if if I had to put my neck on the line. Well, looking at the points we've got already, it's 51 points on the board, and as, a, as a, you normally talk, 70, 75 for playoffs. So almost relegation form would be good enough to get us in that top six at the end of the season but I'm sure there will be Dash will be drumming into his team the importance of carrying on going to the end um, Leicester and QPR of course got vast resources compared to our own but you play the game on the pitch not on paper so we saw when we played QPR at the turf that we can beat these teams at home and we got a draw at Leicester and we'll be confident of being able to beat them as well um, and it's again on uh, Arm's question actually. Do you see him playing mainly off the bench then, or do you think there's a chance we can try and get him into the team as well? I'd, I'd imagine that, you know, unless there's a, a dip in the form of probably Forks, um, I think we'll see him mainly off the bench. But uh, maybe if Forks goes on a bit of a dry spell and isn't creating for things, I say, maybe he'd get a start then. It, it gives us options, doesn't it? I mean, Volks and Ings have played together pretty much every week, apart from when uh, when Ings had that little bit of an injury. So if someone's got a bit of a knock, it doesn't mean that 
they have to play well they're carrying it it just means we can mix it up a little bit I'm sure Barnes is going to push them really really hard so it'll be fascinating to see what happens and Michael of course the next game at Turf Moor Brighton at home Barnes against his old club I'm sure he's going to be up for that one isn't he it's got to be um, you, you imagine he's going to be looking at that and, and salivating at the chance to get to get in there and, and, and bag a couple of goals against uh, against his old club and it's it's one of them weird ones it's like where every time it, we come up against a team which has one of our ex-players for example um, when Patterson um, at Huddersfield it, I'm always worried because I always think they're going to score and I can imagine that's what they'll be thinking when we come up against um, he's going to be wanting to start in that game so I think he'll be pushing for standings really hard to, up until the point of kickoff on the 28th. We've had a question actually that we can just round off on. Like um, Adam said at the top of the show, we are going to do shorter podcasts from now on. So coming to the end of the half hour now, um, J17H says, who else do you think will sign this window? Um, James, do you think we're still going to be looking for another player? Reese Williams is one that's been in the papers. Um, I think Reese Williams would be a really bizarre one, to be honest. But um, I think he's probably looking for someone in the middle. Uh, I think he needs someone who's more sort of in the, the mould of Marnie. Because as it is, I think if you take Marnie out the side, he's he's not really got that um, that really energetic pressing midfielder because that's not really David Jones's style. And it's not Brian Stock's style either. So um, I think he probably wants someone who can sort of play that that tempo midfield role. Um, who that would be, I have no idea really, to be honest, but uh, I'm sure that he's he's got players he's identified for that sort of position. I'm, I'm surprised, we spoke about this on the podcast before as well, I was surprised when um, Marnie had that spell out of the team, I was surprised we didn't try and play our field inside because on paper he's got all the attributes to play that, that pressing game. Um, Michael, is there anyone out there you'd like to see us go after? Um, I tried to think off the top of my head now, really on the spot. <laughs> I had a couple in mind earlier on. I was disappointed to um, see Bamford go to Derby. Actually, I minded him coming in, um, and I heard that we were in for we were in for Nathan Ake. I think he's called at Chelsea. Who's yeah, a defender. His name links as well. Very good player, yeah, apparently. Yeah, yeah, he's very up and coming. I remember seeing him in um, one of the the youth um, next gen competition games actually a while back. He's quite a good player, but I don't think they want to let him go. For me, we need need a bit of backup in midfield. You saw it when we lost Marnie, we lost a bit of impetus and a bit of bite in the middle. So it could definitely do with someone just in there to come on, maybe a bit young. Um, I don't see the Reese Williams thing happening just because he's, I imagine him going up to the Premier League. I think it's a couple of Premier League clubs who have been linked with him, actually. Uh, maybe Fulham. Um, but yeah, for me, a centre midfielder. Is what we need. Definitely no wide players. Don't need any more of them. We've got with <laughs> overflowing with wide players. But yeah, of course. Uh, Ross Wallace on his way back soon as well. So we'll have even more wide players. Just talking at the weekend about how we're going to fit everyone in the squad. We are going to get into a situation where we've got first team players not being in the eighteen, which is going to be a bit of a novelty because we haven't really had that. Also, um, recently has been linked with Swansea as well. So you would expect that. He would go somewhere else, especially if I can guarantee in football. But I think Williams would be an excellent signing personally just because he's so versatile. He can play various positions. He'd probably cover centre-back, right-back, central midfield as well. I think he'd be really handy for the bench. But 
whether or not he'd want to come to sit on our bench when he's been in the Borough team, I'm not sure. Um, Michael, just before we end then, you've got a stat for us, is that right? Yeah, it's just one, I, I remember seeing it a while back actually, it's from uh, just about New Year's time, I saw it on the Football League 72, and if the top four teams replicated their first half form from um, the first 23 games, the points would be 98, 96, 96 and 88. So it just goes to show how, how important goal difference could be come the end of the season if everyone maintains the form that they've all been in. That's unbelievable as well, isn't it? I think the average points needed to be top two is 90. So it just goes to show how strongly us, QPR and Leicester have all played at the start of the season. And hopefully, hopefully, um, we'll be able to carry on for winning this two points a game margin. Um, a couple of comments then, just before we round off for the for um, the end of the show today. Paul says, um, David Engler and Brian Stock, who we've nicknamed Stegger on the block the other day, he says they're definitely not good enough. We need another midfielder. Cumberland Jack says, we need someone who can replace Jones or Marnie should they get injured or suspended. Stegger aren't good enough. And Paul says, a young, sparky, hungry, creative central midfielder will be perfect. And Ganks points out that Don Cowie, the Cardiff midfielder, is one name who has been linked. Um, we are going to leave it there, actually. It's been a, a short, sharp show. I hope you've enjoyed it. We are looking for your feedback because it has been a bit different to, to normal and we go on for about an hour. So please do let us know what you think of the new short show. Um, you can get in touch on Twitter at net, or you can email us, blog at net. We'll still be getting um, regular switches up of the guests so if you do want to come on the show as well please let us know through the, those channels email blog at net and twitter at net if you do want to come on um, and like I say we're desperate for feedback because we're brand new at this at the minute so we'll let you get off now and watch Haley die on Corrie if you are listening live if not we will speak to you in a couple of weeks because there'll be no podcast next Monday because we are not playing so there will be very little for us to talk about but we will have the live blog on Tuesday the 28th. I think it is for Brighton at home. So hopefully we will be back in business then and it will be another home win to extend that unbeaten run. So thanks for joining us tonight. Um, my guests tonight have been James Byrne and Michael Bailey. Adam pressing the buttons as always. And we will be back in a couple of weeks' time. Good night. You've been listening to the No Name Never podcast. For more, visit net. And don't forget, follow us on Twitter at NoNayNeverNet. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered 
by fans.